Welcome to season two of the ISC podcast. My name is Genevieve Stowe, and throughout this series, I will talk with industry leaders about their career journeys and what they've learned along the way. It won't just be me doing the interviewing though, there'll be cameos from the ISC team and even some ISC members too. Some of these episodes have been pre-recorded with a live audience. Therefore, some of the questions you hear will have come from ISC members themselves and we request your patience with any technical issues we might have had. This episode of the podcast was recorded in February 2021, when I had the pleasure of speaking with Megan McConnell, Chief Underwriting Officer at Hiscox US. Megan took on her new role at Hiscox at the end of 2019, only a few months prior to the pandemic. We discussed the realities of remote working, and also the challenges that it poses when you're joining a new team, particularly as a leader. Fortunately for us, Megan had some great tips, which she shares. Uh, Hello, everybody. My name is uh, Megan McConnell. Um, It's 10 o'clock here in Colorado. So good morning to everybody uh, here in the US and good afternoon uh, to the UK. So uh, I am currently the Chief Underwriting Officer for Hiscox US, uh, the the US division of Hiscox is our retail division. We write about a billion dollars of small commercial, um, primarily casualty business uh, here uh, through uh, both wholesale distribution as well as some direct to consumer. Uh, Been in this role, um, as Jasmine mentioned, since October of 2019. So uh, the majority of my time in this role has been uh, been remote dealing with COVID and, and all the rest. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of talking with you guys about uh, all that in my career and what I've learned so far. Great. So um, let's start at the uh, at the beginning. How did you how did you get into the industry? Yeah. So uh, like most people, it, it's somewhat accidentally. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a background in uh, in math and engineering. My undergraduate degree uh, was in math and philosophy, which was the, the, final, uh, the final choice after about eight different options. Uh, and then I ended up getting a master's in civil engineering. I realized pretty quickly that engineering wasn't for me, but wanted to make use of those quantitative skills. Uh, was briefly working in the finance industry, was um, like a, an analyst at a private equity firm. And a uh, recruiter sent me on a job, uh, job interview at an insurance company. And I said, I mean, nobody wants to do insurance. You know, I've, I've, I've met my state farm agent. I wasn't impressed. Uh, and he said, give it a shot. Uh, so I ended up joining a company called ICAT, uh, who are based in Colorado. They write uh, exclusively um, small commercial and some personal lines property uh, in catastrophe exposed regions of the U.S. Ended up working there for 12 years in a variety of underwriting roles. So started out on sort of the, um, the uh, cat equivalent of like the pricing actuary light kind of role. I uh, was doing pricing and aggregate management and underwriting within uh, an, an online kind of automated product. Uh, then did a variety of other underwriting roles uh, before kind of making a at the time, sideways move over to work on the Lloyd syndicate that was attached to ICAP. So uh, the company was set up as like an MGU with a, its own Lloyd syndicate attached. And so I wanted to get more exposure to kind of the, the risk financing and like what a, a, the carrier side kind of looked like. So went over to work on the syndicate and then became active underwriter of the syndicate um, 
a, a few a few years before uh, before I ended up leaving. Uh, so I lived in Boulder. The joke was I pay rent in Boulder, Colorado, uh, but sort of lived everywhere. So I kind of split my time between Colorado and London. Uh, one of the uh, one of the things that I worked on a lot in that role was the outwards reinsurance placement. So uh, as a cat focused company, we bought at the time about a billion dollars worth of reinsurance. Uh, through that, uh, that placement and kind of meeting with reinsurers, I had gotten to know uh, Mike Krefta, who at the time uh, was my underwriter at his Cox Re, uh, underwriting my, uh, my reinsurance placement. We had just kind of stayed in touch through the years, and he approached me to say uh, in 2018 uh, and said, "Hey, we are uh, kind of you know, we're looking for a new underwriting leader in London. Would you be interested?" At the time, iCat was up for sale, so I said, "You know, hey, not sure what happens with my role here long term, so let's have a conversation." Uh, it kind of all came together, and then I ended up moving kind of full time to London in March of 2018. Uh, as director of underwriting for Hiscox Re, uh, which was really interesting, you know, being on the kind of other side of the desk on a reinsurance placement because I had always been a buyer, uh, now was on the selling side, really enjoyed that, uh, and then had been there for about a year and a half when I got the opportunity to move to New York uh, and take the position of uh, chief underwriting officer for Hiscox US. Um, as I had mentioned, you know, kind of primarily casualty business. Uh, never really understood to before. So stepping in as the UO of a line I'd never, uh, didn't really have a lot of experience in has been an interesting experience, but a great opportunity to kind of build out my skill set. Uh, and I've now uh, been with this Cux US for a year and a half. I mean, talk about variety. You've, you've had a hand on, on a whole, whole range of uh, different aspects within the industry. Um, and you started straight out of your master's uh, in insurance. So what transferable skills should people who are starting out be cultivating um, early on? Yeah, so uh, with the caveat that I'm, I'm probably a little biased on this, uh, I think that data skills, especially going forward, are, uh, are a huge asset. And you don't have to be a mathematician or a data scientist. Um, you know, I sort of joke that I have a math degree, but I'm mostly plus and minus. Sometimes I divide on a big day. Um, but being able to look at data, analyze it, understand it, draw conclusions from it quickly and figure out what it means for your business and what you want to do with it is um, incredibly, is, is valuable no matter what part of the business you're in. And it's something that a lot of people underestimate until they get to a place in their career where all of a sudden they're expected to look at a PL or look at a uh, underwriting analysis and draw conclusions from it. Uh, so that's something that I think uh, no matter what part of the industry you're in, or even if you're in a different industry, uh, that's incredibly valuable and even more so going forward as data becomes more and more centric to the industry. Um, the other kind of softer thing I think is really important is you know, just like, don't be afraid to ask questions, learn fast, develop relationships and make people your champion. You know, I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, I have developed a good relationship with someone more senior in my company or another company, and they have really been able, they were invested in my success. And that really helped me because they went out of their way 
to either give me opportunities or to help me bridge a gap um, and to you know make sure that my that I was successful and my company was successful in what we were trying to do. Uh, so the um, I say that the, you know the number one takeaway early in my career was I just need to be willing to jump in and figure it out and ask questions. Uh, the I can't tell you how many times people come to me with something, you know, ask a question. I'm like, I don't know why you think I know this. Uh, and I finally realized like, they, they don't think I know it. They think I'm going to be able to go out and figure it out. Uh, and being willing to, you know, to kind of take whatever you're given and just go find the answer. Uh, you know, whoever you have to ask, wherever you have to dig, um, will kind of serve you well anywhere in your career. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And it's a, it's a skill that works. I mean, in any, any kind of uh, um, industry. People talk about being a problem solver, but it's, it's I mean, it never yeah. gets old. It's not a skill that's ever gonna run out of being useful. <laughs> um, yep. So in a more uh, long-term view, what's the most important learning that you've had and taken into your career development? What's helped you the most uh, overall in your career to grow? Um, so I, the, honestly, the single most important like I'd say the career shaping thing I did outside of all the technical stuff um, was having found a good mentor and mine came in the form of an executive coach uh, and it doesn't always have to be that way um, you know I kind of had technical mentors within the business and within uh, you know with business partners but I really needed somebody who you know I respected and I trusted who was a little bit distanced from like my day-to-day to help me pick through, you know, all the feedback that I was getting and uh, kind of sort through my priorities and my goals and help me map a path there. Uh, one of the, uh, like when, one of the first kind of big things that I tackled with my coach was, uh, was feedback that I, um, I was standoffish. I was, people were afraid of me that they didn't, you know, the business was suffering because people wouldn't raise issues with me because they were afraid of my reaction. Um, I was very, uh, I, I do still really like to have kind of like business and personal separate, but I had taken that to such an extreme that people just thought I was like an insurance robot. And they, uh, you know, I just didn't have like great relationships with the business. Like people respected me, but they didn't really like me. And I sort of leaned, had sort of leaned into that. And it was just like, yeah, like I want to come, I want to do my job. And like, I, I don't need to, I don't need to be making friends here. And um, she really helped me see that it's not, it's not about making friends, but developing those personal relationships will make me more effective at getting the job done. And uh, kind of having those relationships and using the kind of softer influencing skills made me more, um, more effective in kind of influencing my peers in pushing projects through and calling in favors and just, uh, Kind of getting things done and kind of helped me find the right way to share, you know, parts of myself and my personal self that felt authentic and real, but that I was so comfortable with, um, and just really helped me find kind of the the better balance um, in in uh, kind of professional life, even before I started managing people. Uh, so the um, you know the the mentorship aspect of that was incredibly valuable, incredibly important to me because I had gotten that, that same feedback over and over and over again, but she helped me bridge the gap 
between the feedback and like what it meant for me and how it would benefit me to do something different. Uh, and so I'm a big fan of finding somebody like that somewhere in your career who can just offer you that perspective and frame things for you in a way that resonates um, and that allows you to kind of make constructive uh, adjustments. I think that's such an important point to share because I mean Sam Newman's just sent in a comment saying that she's had similar feedback and uh, it's brave of you to, to to share that as well and I completely agree I think um, it's as women, I find this anyway, you, you're wary of the, the stereotypes that can, can come along with your role. And that if you come across as too um, soft and gentle, people will see you as weak. And so you want to put up the boundary and you want to be focused. But then you, inevitably you're going to get the other side. Um, and yeah, I and I was, just, yeah. I was dismissive of it for that reason. So I was like, whatever, you wouldn't say that to me if I was a man. Um, and you know what, maybe they wouldn't have, but regardless, it was diminishing my ability to accomplish what I wanted to. Um, and that's kind of a hard pill to swallow, but you do have to find if like at the end of the day, you want to be successful. You have to find the right line. Yeah. I think, mean, yeah, if finding the balance is key, it's hard, but it's so important, um, to achieve everything that you want to. Um, so how did you go about finding a mentor? So, uh, you know, I was, I was really lucky to have good kind of technical mentors who were really happy to invest in, kind of, you know, like my underwriting um, knowledge and that sort of thing, like within my business. But as I looked around and tried to find like, who were the leaders who, um, who inspire me, who like, I want to, that I want to be like, I didn't have anybody. Um, I, in different on broader, bigger organizations, I think that's a little bit easier um, in uh, kind of finding somebody who's, you know, maybe uh, two or three kind of levels above you, who is somebody you feel like, um, whose style resonates with you, you know, like, I, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have had the same experience if I had gone with somebody who naturally had a very, like, warm and fuzzy and compassionate style because it's just so far different from um, kind of my natural default. I needed somebody who I felt like had uh, kind of dealt with the same challenges that I had and had found a way through it. Uh, you know, so as I said, I kind of found that through, uh, through a coach and going out and specifically looking for somebody who had um, kind of executive experience and I felt like could give me good perspective. But I think that finding somebody um, within your uh, within your company or kind of approaching leaders who you think have that same, you know, maybe it might not be them, but kind of have elements of what you're looking for and asking them for recommendations. Um, you know, I uh, I talked to a lot of pretty senior women who were like, I would love to mentor mentor somebody or, or mentor more people, um, but you know, we don't know how to find you guys either. So you're please just ask. Yeah, I think, I think that's good. a good, uh, good message to take is that you have to spend the time to find the right person. And the only way to do that is to go out and ask yeah. people. In a, in a similar vein, how has, um, how has networking played a, career, a, a role in your career? It's funny because I'm not, um, I've 
until very recently never really done it deliberately. Uh, but I have, but, but like I have this job at Hiscox because of my network. Um, you know, I knew, I knew an underwriter who, you know, I, I liked personally. We just kind of, you know, kept in touch as we bumped into each other at the Lloyd's building or, you know, the coffee shop on Lime Street or whatever. And, um, you know, we had worked together. I, um, you know, we respected each other professionally. And when an opportunity came up, he thought of me. Uh, and, you know, I was a, like, I wasn't on the radar of a London recruiter, but because I had kept in touch with somebody, um, you know, with who, a guy who ended up being the hiring manager that gave me the opportunity. Um, I can tell you now, almost all of the calls I get from recruiters are, hey, I got your name from somebody you know in your network. Um, and it's almost always somebody who I have worked with somehow before, not necessarily like in the same company, but, you know, our companies worked on a project together or they were, um, you know, a broker or an underwriter or something like that. Um, I think that kind of organic networking, you know, working, working with people, impressing them with your work, and then just occasionally finding an opportunity to remind them that you exist um, is really effective, you know a it's easy in london because you tend to see people uh but you know um you know a quick linkedin message or an email or hey i was uh i was working on this thing and it made me think of that time that we whatever um you know a note to just like keep yourself in in mind um goes a long way and then i think there is a place for more deliberate like build your network kind of stuff uh as an introvert i struggle with that a little bit but, um, you know, I try to, to kind of keep prepped a couple of like industry relevant topics that I'm like prepared to talk about kind of any time. Um, and, you know, pick, I would pick stuff that just like is you're excited about and is easy for you. Um, so, you know, whether it's climate change or DNI or um, AI and the use in underwriting, you know, just kind of be prepared to, you know, chat about something relevant with people when you meet them so that uh, you can kind of impress upon them the things that you're excited about and you're knowledgeable about. I think that's such a good tip, having a few topics back of mind, just ready to pull forward to, yeah, exactly what you're saying, show that you're interested, show that you're knowledgeable and casually show kind of, not, not your talent, yeah. but that, that you're engaged, that you're ready and that you are a, a, an interested person. I think that's, that's an excellent topic, um, tip even. So we've touched on kind of the, the softer, softer skills and the things that have helped you with your career development. And we mentioned at the start your experience since um, joining Hiscox USA and, um, and how you've had to do most of, the, most of your role from Colorado rather than from New York. Um, how have you developed as a leader over the past 18 months? So uh, it's been it's been an interest. Well, I mean, it's been an interesting time for everybody. Uh, so this was the first time that I'd managed a team of this size, you know, in an organization this big. Uh, and I do feel like I was at a bit of a disadvantage because I didn't have very long in the office to really get to know people, kind of on a personal level, before we all re went remote. Um, on the other hand, that kind of leveled the playing field, uh, and um, it has. One of the things that I have like consciously adjusted is that I think when I was in the office, um, I more 
distinctly had kind of like focused business mode and like casual, I'm going to chat with you in the kitchen mode, uh, you know, and you don't have, you don't have those le- casual interactions when you're all remote. And so I found a bigger need to kind of bring that slightly more casual and authentic um, style of interaction into like my day-to-day kind of meetings. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that uh, we started doing, uh, you know, my team, we did like wear, wear something crazy Thursdays. So, like on our team meetings on Thursdays, everybody had to show up with like, you know, a crazy hat or a stupid t-shirt or whatever. And then, you know, we'd all talk about what everybody was wearing. Um, those little, uh, those little things that break you out of the just like Zoom meeting monotony, uh, I think make a big difference. And uh, I, I say that, you know, a year in, I have, uh, I have great relationships with my team and uh, kind of in my broader team, you know, I have about 60-ish people who report up through me. Uh, and I think we all, you know, we all have a really tight relationship. I'd say the thing that suffered the most is our relationships more broadly. Um, you know, I, I see the claims leaders less than I would, uh, hopefully, if I was in the office. Uh, and so that has taken a more deliberate effort to and kind of engage outside of the people that, like, I'm required to engage with day to day. I love that. Um, crazy Thursdays. Because I think that's such a good way of getting... Um getting someone's tone, especially if you don't know someone very well. So for example, we've gone back to the office and we had two people join the ISD team uh, this, at the end of last year and, and the beginning of this. And uh, obviously we've done everything over Zoom and it's been such a pleasure to get to know them better in person because over calls yeah. it's difficult to understand someone's humor and their tone. And that is such a good way of getting inside someone's um, personality. I love that, it's such a good idea. <laughs> Um, we, we we had fun so, with it and we we still tell um we rotate joke telling duty uh every meeting somebody has to tell a joke and they're I mean they're just terrible dad jokes uh but you know like it's part of our it's part of our dynamic now and like I can't I can't imagine us ever having done that in the office yeah you think it's going to be something that you keep in the, when you go back to working in an office I hope so <laughs> Um, so obviously you've worked in both the US and the UK. What are the differences between the two? Do they compare at all? And have you taken any learnings from your time in the UK and brought them back now that you're in the States again? Yeah, so um, I would say one of the biggest uh, surprises for me when I moved to London full time was it was more different than I thought. Like, you know, I'd spent I guess six years basically splitting my time um, between Colorado and London. And so I thought, I, like, I thought I really thought I knew it. Uh, and re- I realized pretty quickly that working there day to day is, um, it is just different. Like, I think that in retrospect, people were giving me like American latitude when I was visiting. And when I moved there, I was expected to like conform a little bit more. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is just a different level of formality. Uh, you know, in in every way, London and the UK are just a little bit more reserved and a little bit more formal, right? It's the suits every day. Um, it's the commu- It's the style, the communication, the way people share feedback um, was uh, just dialed 
back from what I was used to. Um, and I think I came in just a little bit like, um, a little much, uh, and you know, just needed to dial back the, like, um, you know, somebody called me aggressively friendly. I was like, I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, it just seems like the thing to do. Um, the, the communication, uh, was one of the hardest things for me because, you know, I mean, just like, I, I tend to take things at surface value and, uh, you know, that, that very English, like, oh, interesting, which actually means like, that's crazy. Uh, took me a while to pick up on. Um, and then when I came back, it took me a while to kind of unwind that because I would think that I had been really transparent and straightforward. And whoever I was talking to a week later would be like, oh, that is not what I, that was not as transparent as you thought it was. Um, so I do think that there is a, like a distinct cultural difference there. Um, I also, you know, it's kind of technically, I find things like, um, you know, boring things like the regulation in the, in the UK is principles-based and the US is rules-based. So like in the US, like you, you read the letter of the law, you figure out exactly what you have to do to comply with it. And then like, you know, and, and what you can kind of get away with outside of the rule. You really can't do that in the UK. It's about, you know, complying with the spirit of the regulation which, uh, you know, leads to a lot of, um, it's, honestly, I think the UK is a lot harder because you have to interpret things and try to figure out what you're, what you need to be doing a lot more. Um, you also don't sue each other nearly as often in the UK, which I found fantastic. Um, you know, the, the, the business environment is just really different. Um, and then, you guys definitely have it figured out on the vacation time. Uh, you know, I think the UK uh, and the Europeans in general, not just the amount of vacation you take, but you actually like unplug and it's like, sorry, I'm on vacation. Like, I'm not gonna respond to your emails or keep working on this thing or whatever um, is so important for recharging and mental health. And it's something that I've really tried to bring back here. Um, encourage people to take two week vacations and you know you don't need don't need to respond to your email um it's a very un-american thing yeah i think yeah the the communication the the time off is they're definitely very very different that attitude towards the two the english subtext is definitely tricky if you uh, aren't used to it <laughs> yeah the english subtext or just not saying what you mean at all and expecting someone to be able yep. to guess what you mean <laughs> yeah we're definitely terrible for that <laughs> um so obviously we're working from home and i'm sure as um in your role at, at hiscos us you've been wary of making sure that you're providing space for your team members to showcase what they've been doing at home how can we for the foreseeable and while we're still at home ensure that we are showcasing everything that we're achieving and, and getting credit for our accomplishments yeah, um, it's, look, it's always, I think self-promotion is always hard. Uh, it's hard when you're in the office, it's even harder remote. Um, and it's something that, you know, I, I worked with a, a man early in my career. We were in similar positions, but he just always seemed to be like, we would do the exact same analysis. And when I heard him talk about what he had done, I was like, sounds way more impressive than what I think we actually just did. Um, and 
my immediate reaction was like, it, it feels a little sleazy, but as I gained more perspective, I realized that that's actually a, like, it's a skill to deploy, you know, at the right time and deliberately and in the right way. I, it is like, let's be honest, it's different as a woman because I like as much as like, I thought he was a little braggy and like, uh, you know, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, people generally responded okay to it. I don't think they would have responded as well if he had been a woman, which is unfair. And also just like that reaction and perception just plays differently. And so I think, you know, we have to employ like slightly different techniques with it. Um, one of the things that I like to do is, uh, you know, share things with my boss in the context of like, hey, I created this really exciting thing or like, hey, we worked on this really cool project and look what we learned um, and share it in the sense of like um, not seeking credit, but showing what you, the contribution that you have made um, and your enthusiasm for it, which I think you know, when it's genuine really helps to buffer any of that sort of, um, you know, transparent kind of self-serving perception about it. Um, I also worked with somebody who, uh, you know, had a, a, like, I forget what she called it, but something like warm and fuzzy email folder. And whenever somebody sent her an email saying like, this is so great, thank you so much. Um, you did a great job with whatever, she would just file it away. And when she wrote her, um, wrote her year end review, like self-assessment, she would quote, the, the kind of phrases from the emails around, you know, the, the objectives that they supported. And I thought that was a great kind of um, structured way to be able to share, especially if you work in a, in a service, um, uh, service position, it's a great t t technique. Yes, I agree. So you cut out briefly for a second, but no, I, oh, I agree with what you're saying. That's, that is a very good way. I think those, those uh, feedback forms are very difficult. To, to write and not just because you're having to review quite a long period but also because it feels unnatural and slightly uncomfortable to blow your own trumpet so using someone else's words is a very smart way of um of getting around that and and really validating yourself I, I like that a lot that's, that's great um we we mentioned earlier when you when you touched on your career journey and your career history the variety um, and all the different aspects that you've sat across um, throughout your career. What role has that played in, in terms of helping you with your career development? Yeah, it's been huge. I mean, um, it, and I found, I don't think I realized it when I was more, uh, when I was more junior, as I have gotten more senior and I've started hiring for senior roles, I realized what a big advantage it is to a hiring manager to see somebody who has, um, Done, had exposure to a variety of different things. Now, I think even if you want to be a technical expert in a particular field, like, you know, you want to be a claims person or you want to be a line underwriter in a particular line of business, having exposure and experience outside of whatever that is, is so valuable to giving you perspective on what else kind of happens around the organization and around the business, uh, you know, as an underwriter, knowing how reserving works and how your ultimate loss ratios get set and how that feeds back through the pricing process, uh, how wordings, um, how wordings work, how that kind of interacts with claims, 
Um, you know, no matter if you're a finance person or an underwriter or a claims person, like it's just, it gives you so much better perspective. It'll allow you to be better and more effective in your job. And it's a big, uh, it's a big advantage to a hiring manager because it shows that you can adapt. You can learn different things that you have interest in different things. Uh, you know, at Hiscox, we talk a lot about career spider webbing. Um, which is, you know, just the concept that like your career doesn't have to be a, a straight vertical line, um, you know, consider sideways or uh, diagonal moves that give you broader exposure. Uh, and that can be really important down the line. Uh, you know, I have now had the chance to do insurance and reinsurance property and casualty managed both like, you know, been on the MGU side, service company side, plus the insurance company side. Um, and I find that it allows me to slot into different, uh, different roles and different projects and have perspective more broadly, which has been really useful. Yeah, I think there's so much to be said for the, the scope that it gives you making national moves, but also that it shows, like you said, it shows the softer skills, your, your agility, your, your ability to adapt mm -hmm. and, and, and change, which can only stand you in excellent stead in the long run. Absolutely. Um, well, Megan, I've absolutely loved speaking with you. We really appreciate you giving your time to share your insights with other ISP members. Great. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much Perfect. and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.